The Dragonry Red is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club. Did you know that armadillos have the highest literacy rate of all animals in the Western Hemisphere? That's why their equally high high school dropout rate is so baffling. <laughs> you almost never see an armadillo at a high school graduation. <laughs> yeah, because they're so short. <laughs> <laughs> For more armadillo-related facts to unlock bonus content and find out how you can access our episodes a day early, check us out at patreon.com slash club. Time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to the Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Micah Sparkman. And today we're going to cover the prologue and chapter one of Crown of Swords, book seven of the Wheel of Time. Previously. Okay. So it's been a while since we read this last one, and I went and looked up some plot summaries because I needed to remind myself what all happened. I forgot how absolutely bananas it was. It probably would take me like 30 minutes to do like a full summary of all the shit that happened. So I'm going to try and keep it to like some highlights. We're going to start with like a little highlight reel by character. And then we're going to go into like current state. So it like transitions into the next book. All right. Oh, man. All right. Okay. <clears throat> so first of all, Nynaeve and Elaine are just chilling in Saladar with their pet forsaken for nearly the entire book. Uh, Elaine's churning out magic artifacts like a damn wizard factory. And Nynaeve's trying to clear her magic block, which... Doesn't go super well. But in the meantime, Nynaeve does figure out how to cure stilling. So she puts the wizard Gojuice back in Gain, Swan, and Liane. Uh, oh, also, Nynaeve and Lane use some bullshit plot device to discover some magical weather bowl to fix the weather. But it's super unclear why that's on top of everyone's priority list. But there you have it. Uh, I mean, if you were going to do a magic something dish to fix something, why not find like a magic dark one salt shaker to fix the dark one, right? No? Makes okay. Sense. <laughs> uh, but no, they're like, no, we want our weather bowl. Whatever. I'm not running the show. It's just like, here we are. <clears throat> so Rand, meanwhile, is popping back and forth between Caimon and Kyrian all willy-nilly, like trying to run his dragon empire and chatting up ancient wizards that he carries around in his head. Just, uh, just the one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just that one, right? And we're all like really glad that he's not feeling any of that corruption madness yet. You know, it's just, he's just <laughs> talking to that wizard in his head. Uh, guys, it's not me that's crazy. It's my ancient head wizard, I swear. <laughs> so while he's over there, he hires on Mazrim, quote, definitely not a forsaken tame, and puts into work recruiting and training a wizard army, which I'm sure that won't have any troubling downstream repercussions, but that's what he's doing. Uh, he doesn't, he doesn't really have time to worry about running his empire, though, because he's got his hands full, literally, with men, you know, get it? Hands full, because <laughs> he's... Because she's spending all of her time kissing and rubbing on him because she's such a joker. He's like, oh, <laughs> right, yeah. man, you're such a joker. Uh, but also, he's got his hands full figuratively with the delicate and tangled balance of politics and power dealing with Saladar and the White Tower. So I guess, like, on both ends there. Mm. Um, they're both trying to get they're their dumb... One handful of politics, the other handful of ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way the dragon rolls, right? <laughs> yeah. Ass and politities. <laughs> Ass, 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 politics, 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 as the song goes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, both the White Tower and Saladar are trying to play their stupid Aes Sedai head games, and Rand is having none of that shit. Uh, Matt is taking in an adorable orphan by the name of Ulver, who's definitely not going to meet some terrible fate in the future. He's just so damn cute. Uh, he gets his orders from Rand to march his band of the Red Hand to Ilion, 
and then back to Saladar to pick up his girlfriend because you know it's a baller move by the dragon. <laughs> I'm just gonna send an army to pick up my girlfriend. No big deal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Perrin's Tavarin's sense starts tingling, so he packs up his two rivers archers and makes for Camelin, where he meets Fael's nutso family, and I guess threatens to kill him or something, uh, which apparently works, because he makes a really good first impression. Yeah, they love that. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> oh, yeah, man, he gets it. Uh, which, based on what we've seen from Fael, is not all that surprising, right? Everyone's got their love language, and their love language is hate. <laughs> so <they're laughs> Uh, now, Egwene is hanging out with the wise ones and hanging in with her boy toy, Gwen. if you get what I mean, saying there, you know, mm-hmm. hanging in, like, sex. I don't think they actually had sex. No, you're right. It's just a bunch of, like... Just in the dreams, right? right. Yeah. Well, in dreams, they did everything. Yeah, yeah they did. Everything. <laughs> but in real life, it's mostly just, like, me sitting and kissing, I think. But either way, she's hanging with Gwen a lot, and Gwen, we learn, has a real hate boner for Rand. Uh, Egwene is abruptly called to Saladar, so the wise ones beat the ever-living shit out of her to say goodbye, which I guess is uh, <coughs> a strange Aiel custom or something. Uh, she dreamwalks all the way back to Saladar, where she is promptly made Amarlin, which is kind of a big deal. Uh, I guess the Saladar Aes Sedai had this whole puppet leader plan, but Egwene's like, nah, my besties are Aes Sedai now, and they're going to go to get that magic gravy boat or whatever they're so worked up about. And also, Matt, I'm taking your army, and we're all going to Tarvalon to fuck some shit up. And that's, like, what Egwene's been up to. Uh, speaking of fucking shit up, the Tarvalon I said I get tired of Rand ghosting them and decide to just kidnap him. Uh, it doesn't take them long to realize what a terrible idea that is because they are just obliterated by a cocktail of the nastiest nasties in the land. Uh, we've got murder wizards, we've got Shido Ail, we've got these younglings, uh, we've got some knights and just a fuckload of Perrin's wolf buddies all just raining down hell on the, the Aes Sedai. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does not grow great for them, I have to say. Uh, oh, and I guess those Aiel also get ground up into dog food by the murder wizards, so doesn't sure, great yeah. for the Shido Aiel either. Yeah, the murder wizards totally come out on top. Yeah, I know. If anyone wins that fight, it's the murder wizards, <laughs> I'd say. <laughs> I, I feel a little bad for the wolves, you know, because they, they kind of thought they were badasses. <laughs> I, know, I know, they're like, yeah, we're going to roll in and just like fuck shit up, and then, then the murder wizards just like turn on the blender or something. <laughs> it, was like, it was like a magic blender, right? It was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was bad. Uh, so, all that kind of highlights current state. <clears throat> Rand, Perrin, Loyal, and an assorted army are out near Kyrian, I believe. Uh, the Saladar Aes Sedai have sworn fealty to Rand at murder wizard gunpoint, but I guess it still counts as yeah, an oath. Because they can't lie. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Egwene is marching an army to Tarvalon with a, you know, the intent of messing up Tarvalon real good. Uh, Nynaeve, Matt, Elaine, and Avienda are over in Ebudar in search of the perfect piece of magic dining ware. And uh, Maureen is still either trapped in a, another dimension or in a pile of portal goo. Because I'm she's guessing, dead, right? I, dead. I assume, yeah. I'm guessing no one bothered to clean up that portal goo, so it's probably still there, right? It was on a wagon, which is nice. <laughs> so maybe the wagon's rolling around with the portal goo in it. <laughs> right. And Maureen, that's where I mean, it's like 99% portal goo and like only 1% Maureen. <laughs> well, 1% Maureen, 1% Landfear. Maybe half percent each. I don't know. Oh, that's true. Yeah, they're both portal goo. Uh, and since they come in a pair, uh, Lan is, uh, I guess, with the Saladar folks having just fucked and slaughtered his way halfway across the world, which is interesting because I was thinking about this, and I'm pretty sure they're going right back the way he came. So, assuming they're just going to see, like, piles of, like, headless corpses <laughs> and rocky-faced babies or something. Because <laughs> that's yeah. what Lan does. They're like, Lan, you came through these lands. Do you know of any farmers that could supply us or anything like that? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, am I missing anyone? I think that was everyone. 
I'm amazed by how much of that happened at the in the last few chapters. It was really like yeah, we we, we complained a lot because there was a lot of boring stuff in that book, and then it was just boom, 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 boom. It all happened at the end. Yeah, nearly everything I listed happened in the last like hundred pages of the bed. Oh shit, I almost forgot Bella. Right, uh, I know that we're. All Hashtag concerned. where is Bella? Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> One of our listeners was actually kind enough point to point out that we do know where Bella is because Swan rode Bella from Tarvalon to Saladar. So presumably she's with Egwene. Just Wait, so Egwene rode Dream Bella there and Real Bella is also there? Yes, I know. It's what? like, what a weird coincidence, right? <laughs> so Bella's just there living her best horse life. And I mean, I guess now she's going to war because, you know. Well, yeah. I mean, has she been to war before? She's been through a lot of stuff. Yeah, I know. She's I was been just thinking the shit that this horse gets up to, right? <laughs> yeah, she's been to the blight. <laughs> wow. So that's that's where uh, that's where we are. All right. Well done. That yes, was quite you. an undertaking. Yeah, I know. It, it took me quite a while to put that together, but uh, I wanted everyone to get caught up. So here we are. We appreciate it. I appreciate it. I forgot a lot of that. Me too. I was reading this plot somewhere and I was just like, oh yeah, that happened. Oh yeah, did that happen in that book? It sure did. Yeah. You know, I feel like you should be able to sell that as kind of like a cliff note for the last book so that people who love the idea of Robert Jordan but don't love reading him could just read that instead. We should do like a super cut of plot summary. Yeah, we I should. Going, I was wondering if there, we could come up with like a machete order for just these chapters, right? Read chapter four and then skip to 10 through 12 or something like that. Oh, that's an interesting idea. Like if you don't want to read all the, the boring like, uh, you know, travel chapters as we finally called them, where's the good shit? And this, I mean, the last book could probably be just like the last five or six chapters. Yeah, but the good shit is really good. It is, it's a lot of fun. There's that reading strategy where you read the first and the last sentence of each paragraph. I wonder mm. if that would work for Robert Jordan. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I teach a literacy class. You, is that what you teach them? In literacy class, you teach them just to read the first and last paragraph? Yeah. Education. All the words in the middle are just to keep the other words apart so they don't fight. <laughs> <laughs> that we call that literary theory. Yeah. Uh, so now it is time to judge this book the best way there is to judge a book. Exactly. Which by is its by its cover. cover. That's right. Oh, yeah. I love it. So <clears throat> this book has another really cool Daryl K. Sweet drawing on it. Or I guess it's a painting, right? I want to point out that uh, Alice and, and you and I actually have slightly different covers. Bullshit. Yeah, I know. It's, it's <laughs> very disappointing because Jeff yeah. and I's covers are elaborate, covered in like really fancy art. Alice is like super boring. Is this like baby diarrhea maroon color? And like it has a crown of swords on it, but it just looks like it's dead leaves with little tiny toothpicks sticking through them. I, I guess say, it's supposed to be a crown of swords, but it's dumb. If I were going to picture a crown of swords, that is like not at all. Have you seen this, Jeff? This is, no, what is this is terrible. This is the worst crown of swords I've oh ever seen gosh. in my life. It's got like, it's got... It looks like a like a paper lantern that has been torn up. Yeah, it's mostly got a bunch of leaves and then there's some like half-assed tiny swords shoved through it. It's like, this is a terrible crown of swords. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, it's Alice, bad. I'm sorry for your art. I know, I need to take it back. I'm going to demand a refund. For, the, for those of you who have the, the badass, awesome... Fancy illustrated cover like Jeff and I, yeah. uh, you yeah. can follow along. <laughs> yeah, he's got Rand standing there in a, a spooky abandoned city or something, and he's doing the pose of like when like a muscle dude brings a girl home to his apartment and is trying to show off his apartment, mm -hmm. but also his muscles at the same time. <laughs> he looks to me like if Dolph Lundgren had been in The Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was doing that thing that like uh, that classic older sibling asshole move, like, I'm just punching the air, but if you get in the way, I'm going to punch you. Kind of thing. <laughs> it looks like he's just, like, air punching. <laughs> I'm and, walking an air punch at the same time. peering over his shoulder at the camera, at the viewer. Glaring. Like, yeah. yeah. Smoldering, maybe. And he's standing. It's His balance is really weird. I didn't I didn't notice this until uh, Karina, my wife, 
pointed it out, but his center of gravity is at least a foot in front of his feet. That's because he's walking <laughs> forward. Like, this is like, like an active move. You see this guy. Look how far back his legs That's are That's really sticking. awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, like, it, it, this, this leg's way back here, and his, his chest, his torso is kind of flat to the camera right here. Huh. He it's almost like has, far. like, backwards knees, if you look at it. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I noticed that he's wearing some lovely repurposed velvet drapes. Just like screams luxury. You know? <laughs> That's one of his sweet dragon coats. Is you that what I hear about his cool dragon coats? They are beautiful. It's not like a Gone with the Wind reference. Mm-hmm. She wears mean. the portieres. <laughs> right? But yeah. It probably is. It's like a deep cut. That's what we know that was what well, there's Robert a line was all from about. The, the Koreathon cycles about how the dragon, as God is his witness, will never be hungry again. <laughs> uh, and you'll notice that like his guns are so intense that they appear to have exploded right out of his sleeves. <laughs> they, yeah, it does look like he flexes his muscle and the sleeves just burst off. Which happens to me all the time. That's actually why I only wear mesh sleeveless shirts. <laughs> well-known fact about my I head. wondered about that. Yeah. Uh, on the back, um, Jeff and I's versions vary slightly. My art is cut off a lot, so... Yeah, I have a really cool trollic with a bird head, like, creeping up on Rand with a sweet scimitar, a hook knife. So for mine, it cuts off nearly everything. So it literally looks like a bird carrying a knife, <laughs> which is plus one to stabbing damage. So extra dangerous, but not as bad as a trollic, I'd say. Right. Uh, and you know, okay, I got to say, I'm seeing these dragon tattoos on here and they're just not as impressive as I had imagined them. Yeah. They look like kind of dragon bracelets. Yeah. I would be a big, you know, they, they say like just the head can peek out through his sleeves, right? <laughs> I know. And I mean, I, mean, I guess that is technically true of the ones we're seeing here i was just in my mind it was just like whole forearm sleeve number but these are more like something a a douchey frat bro would get to make himself seem edgy but like not too edgy you know like the kind of thing where it's not showing through your shirt if you have to go to court you know? <laughs> <laughs> right yeah you can put some like leather leather armbands around it yeah exactly but not i mean i don't know if you want to do that if you're going to court because it looks like you're wearing manacles and then they're like Kind of makes you think you should be going to prison. Oh, so you get flesh-covered leather armbands. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or sweatbands. Sweatbands, yeah, right. And yeah. the court's going to think, this guy works out. He didn't have time to do crimes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's, a, You know, there's a, a there's that whole scene in one of the previous books. I think it was the third book. What? No. Maybe it was, it was the fourth book, I think. Where uh, he's, like, holding up his arms for this, like, huge assembly of I yield to see his tattoos. But I bet, I bet not even, like, the front row could make out what these were. Mm-hmm. You know? The idea of the Shido imposter with his counterfeit tattoos suddenly seems way more plausible. Well, they were in that special, like, natural concave rock formation that amplifies your <laughs> tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> so you can see it from a mile away. It reflects the sun. And he's, yeah, he's in this weird, rundown-looking city, and there's some kind of giant hole with light coming out of it. Oh, I didn't even notice that. What do you think that is? Uh, well, in, in mine, that's where Robert Jordan lives, because that's where his name is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for mine, you could, it's, it's mostly covered up by the thing, so I didn't even see it. But, like, he, he better be careful, because the way he's moving, it looks like he's about to fall down that damn hole. Right, yeah. I mean, if I assume that this, if this was a photograph, it was caught in the instant before he toppled forward, because he's leaning, like, a foot over his feet. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> is, it, is it the madness? The whole is his oh, descent into madness. It's a metaphor. Yeah, symbolism. Oh, that's good. I like that. <laughs> See, that's why we bring you in, Alice, because you've got that literary eye. Yes, exactly. Because you teach literary stuff. <laughs> Shut up. Like, to only read the first and last paragraph of this. <laughs> Wait, the first and last. last sentence of each paragraph. It's and, a study strategy when all, you're getting ready for tests. And only the first and last paragraph of every chapter, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, and only the first and last chapter of every book. <laughs> right. And that way you can read a, a book really fast. <laughs> 
before we get to the actual chapter, there is a quote here as they often lead off with mm. uh, you know their dragon quotes. It's kind of a downer, really. There can be no health in us, nor any good thing grow, for the land is one with the dragon reborn, and he is one with the land. Soul of hire, heart of stone, in pride he conquers, forcing the proud to yield. He calls upon the mountain to kneel, and the seas to give way, and the very skies to bow. Pray that the heart of stone remembers tears, and the soul of fire, love. Yeah, I don't know, it's kind of, it's kind of mm. like... What? The dragon's a dick. Better hope the dragon isn't 100% a dick. <laughs> that sucks. I don't know. It, it's, it's a weird quote. Yeah, you could be music to that. You could be a pop song. Yeah. It, it, kind of, it kind of rolls, right? Yeah. Hang on, though. Pray that the heart of stone remembers tears. Couldn't that be tear? Oh, oh my gosh. You're probably right. Wait, what yeah. happened in tear that he needs to remember? The heart of stone remembers him or something. Let's hope he remembers that his sword is there, because that's important. <laughs> yeah, his sword that he never uses, despite it being a magic sword. Yeah, it's mm. the the super the, the most powerful, no, the second most tar- yeah. powerful. He's always like, what am I going to do if a Forsaken shows up? I'd never be able to face them. Also, I'd better not use that amazingly powerful magic sword I found. Uh-huh. The second most powerful Saw and Grail ever made. Mm-hmm. Seems important. Wait, it is Saw and Grail, right? I get yeah, place. that's right. Yeah. And uh, and he has the remote for the the most powerful one, right? I believe he does. We, he mentioned that he's got it, or he had it tucked away in one of his. That guy, right? Yeah, no, no that, that's that's a normal song. It's the remember he and Asmodian had a big old remote control fight. They fought over the remote in control. Ruidian? Yeah, it's it's like a, it's so. There's a little fat man that's the Angreal, <laughs> the and then there's a statue of a man holding a, yeah. a spear. And yeah, that's a statue of man holding okay. a spear up, which can, communicates with the giant one that they're digging up in Cairo. Yes, yeah. yes, I do remember that. I was thrown off by the description of it as a remote control, but you're oh, right. right. It yeah. is literally I mean, a remote control. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know how you fight over the TV remote with your sibling? Same deal. Right, yeah, and the one that gets it destroys the other one utterly. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, just like in real life. <laughs> so, prologue, lightnings, icon of the Wheel of Time. Uh, this is another... What's going on, chapter? Yeah. Uh, we get it. Like, Elida is talking about how her tower is bigger than any other tower. It's huge. She's really You're proud right. of it. And she's having a palace built. Yeah. Because, you know, why shouldn't I have a palace, right? I should have a palace. Yeah. So, so she's actually replacing the warden's practice gra- the warder's practice grounds with a palace. Right, yeah. yeah. The warders I'm sure she won't need them. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of par for her, I guess, really. I mm-hmm. mean, she's a red, so that makes sense. Yeah, no warders, but, True, but no also I do giant towers. Like the reds are. Yeah, and she's kind of hanging out and ruminating about how mad she is all the time and how nothing's fair ever. Uh, she has a sweet mechanical clock. Yeah. You see this? It's like, like when it chimes, like... A mean Merlin seat comes out and like zaps a man who can channel. <laughs> I know. I kind of want like I could picture it. I was like, this is probably hilarious to watch. I think <laughs> yeah. she mentions that every time she sees it, she laughs a little bit. Because <laughs> I would too. Uh, it's it's funny because she has this ridiculous clock and it's she mentions like unironically that uh, the Amarlin who made it was very prideful and then failed to achieve anything and it was just like. <laughs> Huh. Yeah. No, no? Nothing, Elida? <laughs> no, no self-awareness. History yeah. books. Read them sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, she knows. She's like, oh, the previous Amelina who had this, didn't achieve anything, was kind of a huge embarrassment, and they put this clock away because they didn't want to be reminded of this Amelina who fucked up. But me, I'll probably achieve something really great. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then she gets news that Rand has been captured, which makes her super happy. The ring has been placed in the bull's nose. I expect a pleasant mm-hmm. journey to market. 
Yeah, she's celebrating, but man, is she in for some real disappointing status updates. <laughs> yeah. So about that bull. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> the bull has uh, broken out of the box we put it in and summoned its army of murder wizards and killed all of us. <laughs> so we didn't get the ring in that nose there. <laughs> so the, the journey to market was unpleasant. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, Elida is living in this this opulence. She has these roses, these like elaborate tapestries, carpets, like seafolk porcelain, and and around her, I feel like the world is kind of collapsing. And this is like to me, this is very representative of what's happening right now, right? Like Elida is is like blind to all these serious flaws, right? Yeah, that that happens this whole time. Uh, this whole section, Alviarin comes in. And distribute some more news to her, but they have little power games that they have with each other. While Alviarin tries to withhold information or try to make her look bad or make her feel bad, only several times in this conversation, Alviarin tells her a true thing, and Elida's like, "Nah, I don't believe that." Yeah, this, like, this that's, that's ridiculous. This is this gives us a sense for both how unaware Elida is of how bad things are and uh, how weak she actually is in the White Tower. I think. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Definitely how weak she is. But I think if she wasn't so obtuse, I don't think she would be having so much problems. Is that she refuses to believe things. She has their own idea of how the world should be. I think she's fastened onto it. Yeah. Avyaran makes a note later that's something to the effect of the thing, the thing that's scary about Elida is that she's both blind to everything that's happening around her and, and like chooses to see things a certain way, but also that her sheer force of will sometimes makes things happen that way because she's yeah. just like so yeah, I was, was going to say, she, she did depose the Amarlin seat and become the Amarlin seat. Yes. And it was a disaster from our perspective, but from her perspective, she totally succeeded. I really wish that we had gotten more in the previous books about Swan Sanche, her interactions with people and what she was doing as Amarlin. Because mm-hmm. I think that would have been a really cool contrast to see now because you get the feeling that Swan was a really good leader in a lot of ways. Mm, so yeah. that would be interesting because I don't know what a good Oberlin is supposed to look like day to day. That's a, yeah. an excellent point. Like as, as a counterpoint, like we see that the way that the Oberlin works isn't like absolute power exactly. It's like depending on this, this council. So presumably Swan was able to navigate that effectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Elida doesn't talk to the council very much and she's had a bunch of them uh, punished and humiliated and she doesn't really have a power base anymore. Mm-mm. And she doesn't seem to be actually giving that many real orders. Although she was in on the plan to capture Rand. Do you think she's secretly terrified or is she just that obtuse? I think she's just really bad at politics. Yeah, I, I, I think I, she's good at some things, but understanding power dynamics, she just doesn't get it at all. I do get the sense that if she didn't have foretellings, she would not be anywhere near there because she would not have known to attach herself to more gays in the first place. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, yeah. That's a, a very interesting point because, yeah, her, her foretelling seems to be one of her greatest assets, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's funny because you, you mentioned, Jeff, that, you know, they, they she hears some true things is like, no, whatever. But Elida gets word that Elaine and Nynaeve are in Ebudar and she's like, why the fuck are they there? So she doesn't believe it. I'm just like, yeah, why the fuck are they there? You know? <laughs> I kind of with her on that one. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, but she's like, she's really running shit into the ground. We know that she's also sending 50 Aes Sedai to go after the Black Tower. Right. Which is, I mean, we yeah. don't know how that's going to go, but probably not great. Yeah, that's like... It's not anywhere near enough. Those Aes Sedai are dead meat. If yeah. I were her, I would have been sending the Aes Sedai who are my greatest um, 
enemies. Enemies, enemies yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. feed them to the Ashaman. Yeah. Yeah. But so she, she, it's because again, she cannot believe how many people are supposedly at the Black Tower. Yeah, I think she, her estimate is like three. <laughs> and we know that there's, well, well over a hundred, right? Yeah, there's hundreds. Yeah. Hundreds that are like able to fight, right? To mm-hmm. teleport and fight. Which Aes Sedai generally can't do unless they're in yeah, yeah. circumstances. And then we, there's a bunch of stuff throughout these chapters about some dark secret that the Red Aja has. And a bunch of secret tower history that nobody knows about, but it's really vague, and we don't find out what it is. Yeah, that, that was. I think that's the first we've heard about that. But it seems like there's 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 a history of something yeah. to do with like men who can channel. I was kind of thinking maybe they did set up a bunch of false dragons, and this lie that Swan Sanche was telling is actually true. Oh, that would be interesting. Like maybe they set up Mazarim Tame or or Guire Almasin or whatever one of those other ones was. Can we talk just briefly about uh, Elida's foretelling? Like, because there is one like right here mm-hmm. in the chapter, right? Um, the White Tower will be whole again, except for remnants cast out and scorned, whole and stronger than ever. Randall Thor will face the Amarlin seat and know her anger. The Black Tower will be rent in blood and fire, and sisters will walk its grounds. This I foretell. Like, I know that she interprets a certain way, but when I read that, I'm like, that is not yeah. good news for Elida, right? She completely <laughs> jumped to conclusions there. <laughs> like the the the. It's easy to interpret this as being like very bad news for her. Yeah, it's it's like the foretelling was the two armorland seats are going to fight and one of them's going to die, and she's like, "Yes, <laughs> got it made." <laughs> exactly. Uh, so yeah, like I feel like a light is kind of toast. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, we cut to the entire battle of Dumai's Wells again. But told from Savannah's perspective. Oh man, and like it's funny going into this because Savannah is like laying out this elaborate plan, and I'm just like. That seems, I mean, even not knowing how this goes, yeah. her idea seems pretty unlikely. She's like, I'm just going to roll in and make Rand fall in love with me and marry him. And they'll be the most powerful woman in the world. Yeah, from one obtuse woman to another. I know. And I was like, I yeah. don't think Rand's going to be down for that. So funnily, she's obtuse about that, but she's really good at politics. I thought yeah. it was an interesting comparison with Elida mm-hmm. because she understands all the different factions in her coalition. She, she understands that... Running her being woman and running becoming a clan chief is untraditional, and so she has to ease people into it. But she's got this whole plan. She's really sharp. Yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right about that. Other than the thing about marrying Rand, which you know, like she does seem to be. You can see why she's running the Shido and why the Shido weren't doing that bad up until this very moment. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, yeah, we know how that battle goes from the last book, and seeing it from this side, it doesn't yeah. go any better. But. Robert Jordan can still write a battle scene, even oh, if it's the oh same one again. Man. Yes, I, like I, 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 despite again knowing exactly what happened, this is really interesting to read because seeing it from the Shido perspective is yeah, I like it different. It was, yeah, so cool. I loved how it was limited to her perspective. So you know, she sees some of the big things that's happening, like the dome of air that gets that's put up. She sees that, but she doesn't know what's going on. She doesn't actually have any reports from the front line. Mm-hmm. She also doesn't have the ability to channel, so she knows even less than the wise ones sitting next to her about yeah, what's happening. And then when, when what happens, happens is that Perrin and the Wetlanders attack, and then a bunch of wolves attack, and then a bunch of murder wizards attack, and then Rand explodes out of the, the, the box and, and starts ganking people. She just sees the after effects of that. She's like, those are wolves. It looks like wolves. Do you guys see wolves? <laughs> but like, no time to deal with those wolves right now. Mm-hmm. No, focus on the, the thing over there. Just ignore the wolves for whatever reason. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's uh, that's irrelevant. That's probably a coincidence. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it, 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 was, it, was a, it was pretty interesting. And, and I, 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 you make a good point about the way that it's told from her perspective. Because she mentions that she doesn't have a good vantage point. So she's like urging her soldiers forward and like trying to like 
drum them up and the like the ones who can see what's going on are like what the fuck no no <laughs> <laughs> yeah people are blowing up over there yeah so it doesn't go well but she still has that little cube thing i was kind of hoping she got rid of that right yeah which she she decided not to use because she was going to make rand her own by showing him her boobs apparently yeah <laughs> she's got apparently great boobs yeah uh, but she still got it i i assume this thing is like a hand grenade right it's unclear, right? Because uh, the, the instructions from the mysterious, <clears throat> probably dark friend that gave it to her would take it to Rand and then use it. <laughs> right next to him. Just <laughs> it's, It'll be fine. It'll be great if you use it right next to him. Yeah. Yeah, we, we don't know for sure what it does, but uh, yeah, it's probably bad news. So she's still out there with the remnant of the Shido. Then we check in with Alvierin, who after her meeting with her boss Elida, goes to meet her boss Messana. Yeah. Yeah, she's, a, she's another poster child for why uh, being a dark friend sucks ass. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> her job is basically managing Elida all day. <laughs> like, <laughs> fuck that. No, right, thank you. Yeah. She goes and runs all, everything that Elida told her by Masana to see if it really happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, working directly for Masana, which uh, I think we knew that Mas- from the previous book that Masana was in the White Tower, right? Yes. Yeah, but um, it's it's interesting seeing things briefly from Alviaren's perspective because she's working for Masana now, but she mentions this like, string of the Forsaken that she's yeah. worked for at various points. Lanfear yeah. and Grendel. Yeah, and Bilal for a little bit. Like, he t- picked her up and kidnapped her, apparently. Like, it's yeah. He, so she's, like, run right. the gamut of so the... It, <laughs> another reason it sucks to be a dark friend. You got a lot of bosses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. And if one of them tells you to do a thing and the other one tells you to do a different thing, like, good luck picking the right answer there. Because <laughs> yeah. you're going to probably get murdered or tortured or something. First had been Ishmael. Oh, that's right. And mm-hmm. was it Ishmael, the one who yeah. tortured yeah, a bunch of them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she's a black Aja Prime, I think. Yeah, she's she's in charge now because yeah. the one, woman before her got killed by the, the Forsaken. <laughs> right. Yeah, so we, we get a bunch more vagueness with Ishmael, who apparently tortured a bunch of the black Aja because something that happened, something in the secret history of the tower happened that he didn't like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he tortured everybody to convince himself that... That they weren't part of it, right? That they didn't make it happen. Yeah. But we still don't find out what that is. Yeah. So is that the same as what the secret that the Red Aja is keeping? Who I, knows? I, yeah. yeah, I think they said that somebody important died. I don't know if it was a previous Amarlin or... So, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think they mentioned by name who it was, but it wasn't a name I recognized. So I think we know who Masana is. Do we? Do we? I think we do. Um, <laughs> a finger of a shadow tapped silver lips thoughtfully. Had she seen any sister make that get gesture? It's Varen. Varen did that. Did she? Yeah. Did Varen, she, Varen was well known for doing that. I think there was another white that they mentioned, or maybe a gray who did that, but Varen's the only one that I distinctly remember who does that. But Varen's not in the White Tower right now. True, but Varen's been suspicious for a long time. That is she true. Has. And Varen, Varen has been around. People know Varen. She's been around for longer than the Forsaken have been free. Right. That's true. But, but we know that the Forsaken have body snatched and replaced people before, right? Oh, yeah, it's true. But then, then Masana would have to be in both Camelin and... I mean, they can teleport, Or right? I guess she could just be... There could be two variants. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, or, the, or she could be traveling or... Yeah. Yeah. All right. You heard it first, folks. Here at the Dragon We Read, Varen is forsaken. Added to the list. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Along with... Who else? Uh, Sirius Black. Tame. Sirius Black is also <laughs> forsaken. Um, yeah. Sever Snape. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we cut to Pedro Nial. That was who, an interesting turn. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's having some uh, playing some stones and flirting with Morgays. Yeah, it's Aww. it's funny because he's like got a, he's got a scheme thing going, and he's like working Morgays, but Morgays is clearly working him too. It's like yeah, and it, it seems like he's kind of enjoying himself. You know, they're 
they have like a they they're intellectual matches for each other, which maybe it's not something that either of them is used to. Mm-hmm. Can we go back to a quick what the fuck though? Mm-hmm. Alviarin's thinking about another black Aja who had stolen a Turangriol and nobody knew a use for it until she became snared in one untried for centuries. How to activate it remained a mystery still for 10 days. No one could reach her, only listen to her throat wrenching shrieks. Yeah. When what could be recovered was buried. Yep. So what? Yeah. Uh, so, so I was thinking. I was. I think. I, I think. What the thrust of that was that some forsaken put her in that for, yeah. for crossing them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was a punishment, and he put her in the, this Tarangrel that presumably was like some kind of crazy, like Iron Maiden or something, right? Uh, and nobody knew how to activate it or how to get her out of it. That's mm-hmm. terrifying. Yeah. Well, yeah. again, why you don't want to be a dark friend? Mm-hmm. You could get put in a Tarangrel that tortures you until you die for days. Yeah, right. but then at the end, though, we get a pretty cool perk. Masana shows Alviarn how to build a gateway. Yeah. That is true. That's kind That's of a right. big deal. But she also says that if you use this anytime that I don't specifically instruct you to use it, I will kill you. <laughs> right. So that's sure. not good. It's a downside on that. But still. It yeah, is cool. She's got some ancient knowledge. Uh, I, the story has become hard to follow since Rand started moving around instantaneously. And now if everybody's going to start doing it, oh man. Yeah. It's going to get very confusing very quickly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Nial is stones flirting with Morghese. Yep. Um, and he's got a whole plan and he's, you know... A, I don't like him. I don't like the white cloaks, but he, he hears that the Shanshan have come back and he's like, oh no, we've got to deal with that. That's more important than anything else. But it doesn't matter because he gets backstabbed by his dumb spy master. Yeah, this is a, this was actually interesting because this was one of those, like you, you get them periodically where it's like a twist. Like I feel like Robert Jordan did a pretty good job of building this moment up because yeah. he's, you know, there's like a fun kind of like interchange here and you're actually, you're kind of starting to appreciate, not necessarily like, but appreciate Nial for what he is. And then you're like, oh, he's learning about the Shan Chan. What's he going to do about it? And then it doesn't matter <laughs> because he's, yeah, like you said, his, his, not even his good spy master, the shitty fake spy master mm-hmm. ends up just stabbing him to death. Yeah. Uh, but presumably a, a, as part of someone else's scheme. I don't think that. Yeah. That's my I think impression. it was Aemon Valda who immediately comes in and says, oh, you killed the boss and kills him. Yeah. I just couldn't help myself. I, yeah, I was taken by the urge of the moment. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's, it's interesting because like, Nial, for better or worse, at least seemed to be uh, uh, clever. You know, he seemed to you know be able to, to handle situations. <laughs> I do not get the impression that his replacement is going to be as good. I don't think so. His replacement is going to be Aemon Valda. Yeah. Who is just in charge now. And uh, then Gawain is still out there. Just sitting around thinking about Rand. <sighs> yeah, sitting around thinking about how much he hates Rand, how much he loves Rand. What are doing right now? Where is he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder if anybody else is killing him right at this moment. <laughs> Uh, and he's still kind of boring. Yeah, but he does get ambushed by a bunch of Ail. Uh Yeah, they're in the the aftermath of Demise Wells. He's leading his surviving people back. It's and it's, at this, I guess at this point, we don't even know which Ail this is. It could be the Shido, it could be Rand's Ail. They seem like they were fleeing, so probably Shido. You think they're Shido? Okay, I thought I thought he said they were going somewhere in particular, but right, I, it could be away from the Murder Wizard Army. <laughs> that's a good point. It's probably Shido, but yeah, I don't know for sure. Yeah. Uh, but it, you know, and there is an interesting thing where he's peeking over a hill right before that happens, and he sees a, a lone Aes Sedai by herself, whose horse gets shot by an arrow, and he's about to go help her, but then he has to fight the Shido. When he looks back, she's gone, and he thinks, "Oh wow, I mean, uh, she would have had to sprint to get out of sight by that point, but you know, not my problem anymore." I wonder, could that have been some kind of Forsaken who teleported away? Uh, it's possible. Uh, I I did. I mean. We don't know where most of the Forsaken are at this point, but they're the, they're the ones that you can teleport. But it, it could also be that they just got 
captured by the whoever it was. You would have seen it if somebody had captured them, right? Because what he said was, I said I would have had to sprint to get out of sight in that time. So if somebody had run in and grabbed her, it, just see, it, feel, it, it seemed like to me that he was hinting that it was strange that this person had vanished. Maybe mm-hmm. she turned invisible. Could be. Is that a thing? I think so. Uh, right? Is it they, just they like full space or something? I think Moraine did something, a trick with light that made them invisible, but I could be remembering that I wrong. I've forgotten. Yeah. Probably. Uh, and then uh, there's just a... A bit at the end here where Gwen's gotten like so grizzled, I think Lan would be impressed. He's like, you know, the butcher's gonna butch, and sometimes when you face the butcher, he's like gonna eat your people or something. I don't know like that. Yeah. <laughs> but like better written than that. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, he, he's super grimdark. He's like, everything sucks. My mom is dead. Poor Gwen. <laughs> but he's kind of a dick, so you know. Yeah, yeah. I think it's boring. Chapter one. Hi, Chasseline. Icon of a wolf. So it's Perrin. Uh, Perrin is sitting there recovering from that crazy messed up battle that just happened. Yeah, this is actually, I, I actually really like the intro here. Um, I think Jordan knows how to like set a scene. And this is this is really interesting. You've got like these wagons and like the way he describes like the dust and the heat. It's very evocative to me. Like, yeah, it, it's, it's almost like a dust bowl kind of picture in my head, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he puts it together really well. Yeah. And he leads all into it with the, the famous wind intro. Yes. And this, this wind is a hot wind. Mm-hmm. Everything's hot right now. Right. Yeah, I Speaking like how of, it goes past the arch. That's cool. An ancient arch. Yeah. It describes yeah that's it. cool. So there's a bunch of naked Aiel running around. <laughs> no, it's like, okay. They're all the captured ones and they can't wear uh, non-servant clothes. So they're just naked. Yeah. Oh, those sure. Aiel. Okay. Yeah. It, the, the, and the two rivers are all, folks are all prudish. So they're just like really uncomfortable with it. Yeah. I think I would be uncomfortable with it. Eh, I mean, like it's their custom. They're naked, whatever. Yeah. But oh, having to we... make eye contact with a naked person can be difficult. <laughs> yeah. Why? What do you? What I do you... mean, you're just gonna look. <laughs> Wait, I mean, so do you? Do you look? Because I like, I want to look, but is it weird when you look? But they're naked. I mean, like as guys, like when you have to talk to women who have like their boobs hanging out, like you have to really focus on making eye contact, right? Why? <laughs> <laughs> or you just stare at them the entire time. Never mind. Look, if we're all naked, we're all naked, right? I mean, who cares? <laughs> Maybe you just take off all his clothes, then he'd be comfortable. Exactly. Like that's the real problem. Together. Together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's he's still like thinking about his relationship shit with uh, Fail back home, uh, and how is like he doesn't know what to do about it. And I I'm like yeah. you know Perrin, I don't know what to do about you either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. You you've bitten off probably more than anyone can chew there, Perrin. That's right. Uh, he feels really bad about getting all those wolves killed in which, the battle, which he should because he should. Parent, the wolves are the only ones in this book that I feel like are truly likable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I liked how he knows because there's all this wolf telepathy going around that the wolves that didn't come are like talking to the wolves that survived. Like, yeah, that's what you get. Oh. You, you wouldn't help the two legs. Now, oh. now you bunch of you died. Yeah, uh, and, and I guess he says that the wolves are kind of fatalistic about it. They're like, you know, what happens happens. Yeah, well, they get to fly around in their dreams and stuff when they die. That's a good point. Like the only thing that sucks about being, uh, I guess, a dead wolf is like. If that, you know, dream hunter kills you. Yeah, right. What's his Slayer? Yeah, Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about that guy. Uh, but yeah, otherwise being a dead wolf is actually pretty cool, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. He's got a whole bunch of Aes prisoners. Uh, yeah. Which and, and, is bad news, I think. And Aram knows what I'm talking about. He's like, so... We have all these Aes prisoners. It'd be great if we didn't have all these Aes <laughs> yeah, prisoners. Yeah, Aram's turn, like, like, 
real dark. He has. He's like super grim. And, and I'm, I'm wondering if Perrin should really be hanging out with this guy anymore. <laughs> I, I think I it, understand they've got history, but Aram is a problem. I think that Perrin needs, I think Aram needs Perrin for grounding because otherwise who knows what this guy's going to get up to. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, we got all those Aes Sedai. Wouldn't it be great if we didn't have them? Instead, we had that many corpses. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, Rand, he's got a hard job. He doesn't want to make, make decisions yeah, about exactly. weapons. Yeah, somebody should just make that decision for him. Yeah, what if he didn't have to make that decision? What if he just showed up and it was already taken care of? He'd probably give us all, like, a big pat on the back. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, I, I mean, like, all kidding aside, I kind of get where he's coming from. Because these are these are 13 Aes Sedai who kidnapped the dragon reborn and tried to like turn him into like a and they tortured him right yeah uh they're not gonna like come around on that i feel like you know yeah and, what are you gonna do you're gonna hold them prisoner with ashaman guarding them forever you can't do that right i mean like the, the, ashaman is, will go crazy <laughs> <laughs> i know they'd be like really miserable i say are terrible well also from using the power that much oh right that too <laughs> but but I mean, yeah, yeah, man, it would suck to spend that much time with these assholes. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 I mean, it, like best case scenario, like you can hold them for a little while. But I mean, like they're you're gonna slip up, and if you slip up, these are these are ice to die. You know, they're gonna murder you all, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't know if there's a better solution than just killing them outright at this point. Yeah, I, I think at this point, random. I don't know how Rand feels because he hasn't popped up yet, but from a purely political standpoint, killing the POWs is a bad idea. Yeah. Right. And, you and, don't, the White Tower has been aggressive and you don't want to be, you're, you're not going to do like a friendship deal with them right now, but you also don't want to like give them cause to go to war with you. No, that's a really good point. He still does need the White Tower and assuming, assuming he actually wants to somehow get them around to his yeah, side. And his, his Saladar buddies probably wouldn't like it either. Yeah. I mean... What, do you steal them? I mean, is that worse or better? Worse, probably. Uh, just yeah, steal them worse. all as, yeah. a, as a, a lesson. Don't go against the, the dragon or he'll... When you, you, I mean, that'd be kind of like amputating, like taking out their eyes or something. Mm, that's a good point. Mm. But we know that yeah, <laughs> we right. know you can heal it, right? <laughs> the, the, the famous... Uh, what was he? The, yeah, the... What was he? He was Serbian. The famous Serbian king, Basil the Bulgar Slayer, uh, was known once when he had captured this army of uh, Bulgars... He had, if every group of 100, he had 99 of them, their eyes put out. And that 100th guy, he left him with one eye to lead him home. Oh. oh wow. <laughs> Did he seriously do that, though? It's the story in the histories. But it was a 1,000 years ago. So, you know. Ooh. Maybe it's just something he told his friends to tell everyone. Be like, oh, people will be really scared of me. Just tell them I killed. Let's see. Let's see. No, I put out 99 of their eyes. Wait, no. 99 people, I put out both their eyes. And the last guy, I left him one eye. Just tell everyone I did that. They'll be like, really scared yeah. of me. That's what I do. Just make this spread that rumor. Will do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. Killing the Aes Sedai would probably lead to a big problem. What if he shielded them with one of those shields that uh, you could like lock up and leave in place and just shield, like essentially put them in like magic jail yeah. for I don't know who if he knows how to that? do that who, uh, who was it who did well, that well Lanfear did that to Asmodian right that was once. her trick yeah and uh Mogadian did it to what's her name the Andrin yeah yes that was the one I yeah. was thinking of yeah so she could see that there was a way out of it but she'd never be able to figure out how mm -hmm. yeah because we know that the way these things work is that you have to like trace the 
the source, right? Like you have to follow it to its origin. That's how you undo it, I guess. And that's because I think that's how Rand has managed to escape in the past. Yeah, you have to. It, apparently, when it's knotted, you can like feel your way around it. Although for, for him, he was doing women's weaves, so he couldn't see it or anything. So it may be different if it's a woman doing it for another woman's weave. Actually, that, that's a good point. So if he did it to a, a, an Aes Sedai, a, a female Aes Sedai, then it'd be really hard for him to get out. I, he barely got out. He's the most powerful magic user. Right, yeah. Right? And he has a, an a insane ancient wizard giving so, him lessons. <laughs> that's right. So shield them all and uh, just like say, I'm going to let you free in a, you know, a month or something like that. Yeah, I don't know what he's going to do about um, it. I mean, uh, prisoner swap. That's the, really the thing to do. That's probably Don't want to hold these people. Do they, do the, the, does the tower have anyone he wants? They have some things he wants, probably. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, there we go. That's a good idea. Use them as a peace offering. Yeah. Yeah. But Ash, uh, Perrin is thinking about how uncomfortable he was with, with is with the Ashaman. And he thinks, you know, Rand can channel, but that's, that's different. It's Rand. I'm okay with that. But you know, Perrin... I have the receipts. I read that book where you found out he could channel, and you were not okay with it. <laughs> That's right. You, you were kind of a turd about it. Honestly. You can't rewrite that history, my friend. <laughs> it's like, no, I've always been cool about that. Nah, man. No, we were there. We all saw that. <laughs> but generally, he's just kind of sitting on a powder keg. Like, I, yeah, but I mean, Perrin resolves to protect them, to prevent them from getting killed. Yeah, and, and I think that's the right thing to do, um, but, but it's... It's certainly making his already very complicated situation more so because he's got all these, he's got these Kyrian, these Aiel, all these people who hate each other, and he's just like trying to keep everyone chill. Yeah, yeah, he, because they were they're all united in their let's go dash ourselves against these Aes Sedai plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but now they don't have that unifying enemy anymore. Yeah, so he gets up to go tell someone about it, probably Rand. Yeah, and uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is he in here he mentions like. He t- thinks about something that Moraine told him, but he refers to her in his head as a friend. A friend told me this once. Mm-hmm. And he says the same thing about something Lan told him, because I remember that. Uh-huh. And, he, and he also says, oh, yeah, a friend told me this thing once. So I wonder why he didn't just say Moraine and Lan. What is, why did Robert Jordan write it that way? Are, did, are we maybe supposed he doesn't to, remember where he heard it? That's a good question. Yeah, like, are we supposed to forget about Moraine and Lan, or is this... Like, to avoid, if somebody's picking up this book at, you know, book seven of the series, this is to avoid overwhelming them with names. Because they didn't, they wouldn't have the luxury of my wonderful plot summary to help them out. <laughs> right. Maybe it's an indication of how much things have changed, how much his world has changed. So instead of being like, yes, that one Aes Sedai Moraine, he's just like, yeah, a friend of mine, like, because his world has expanded so much. Maybe. That's all I can think of. I yeah. don't think that's a good answer, but I it's think, just a thought. I think, Jeff, your solution is probably the most likely because if Lan and Moraine... Well, no, Lan's probably in this book. I was going to say, Moraine probably isn't going to pop up because, <laughs> I don't know, the whole like portal goo thing. Uh, Lan probably would, but it would be a little weird for how, for him to have this one throwaway reference to Moraine. Yeah, where and then have to go him. explain who Moraine I, is. Exactly. I think it would be really funny if he had thought... A two-leg told me this once. Shut up, Wolfhead. Man, so Maureen and Lanfear went into that portal together and got melted down. What if when we put the portal back together, they're like combined? 
like a moraine fear. So we've got like a the, like a the fly the fly situation, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but not like the head of land fear on the body of moraine, and she's like, "I'm short now. It sucks." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know the forsaken hate being short because I believe that is how Samael became a forsaken, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and moraine's all like. This is an upgrade. Like, look at these things. Woo, yeah. And I smell like spice all the time. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Why are y'all looking at me? <laughs> We're just curious if you had any, you know, anything no, to add. I have nothing to add to that. It sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Marine uh-huh. fear. So that's it for this episode. Next time, we're going to cover chapters two through four of Crown of Swords. I am Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan. That's at Alice M. Sullivan on Twitter and Blue Bonnet Cafe on Instagram. I'm Micah Sparkman. I still don't have one of those. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at thedragonreread.com. We love hearing from you. Please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews wherever you got this. Please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Club. Please like us in real life. We're just so likable. Until next time. The, the light, light illumine you. you.